0: The SWAC and MEAC are not two big conferences. And unless something changes, they don't deserve to be. Oh yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU. Your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. doesn't mean that the journey is over. Y'all see it right here at the bottom of the screen. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at South Don't forget the S on the end if you're on the audio side of things. Also, look at there. We have a QR code. Follow the instructions, scan me. Go ahead and sign up for the Locked On Network uh, actual newsletter. We're gonna have you updated with all of your colleges, all of your professional teams, everything. We have everything on the network and now we have it in print format. So go ahead and scan that QR Cold. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Go ahead and make your moment more today when you visit FanDuel.com lockedon Locked On. Southern and Sacred Heart are going, going to be facing off tomorrow in the first four matchup of the w, WNBA of the Women's NCAA Tournament. We know what that means. They're playing in to be a part of the Field of 64. But they're going to be the only SWAC school that's going to be a part of it on the women's side. And guess what? Until something changes, that's exactly what it should be. That's exactly what the SWAC and the MEAC are set up to be. They don't, at the moment, deserve to be a two-bid conference. And there's no joy that I get from this. I would love if you look at the CIAA. They got two teams in to the D2 tournament, I would love if our D1 HBCUs were set up in that same position. But the only way you're going to see more than two HBCUs in the NCAA conference or in the NCAA tournament, the only way that you see more than two HBCUs in this tournament is if North Carolina A&T, Hampton, or Tennessee State make it. Because you're not going to get two schools from the SWAC or the MEAC. They're not currently constructed to where they deserve to have two schools. Once again, I don't, I don't get joy from this but i just i just want to be real on yesterday's episode when talking about the first four that round in the ncaa tournament i had to take myself out of how i personally feel and look at the reality of a situation and i implore you i beg you please do the same i understand we love hbcus that's why you're listening to the podcast right now that's why i'm delivering the podcast right now we share that same common interest but I will not delude myself and say that we should have two schools from a, a SWAC or a MEAC that get in. First off, I think the biggest common sense way to decide whether or not that should be the case is where is the one HBCU from the conference always at? 16. So why would the other team be any higher? You can't go lower than 16. Are we asking for two 16 seeds from the SWAC to play it out again in the round of first four? Is that what we're asking for? It's not realistic. It's not because the team that TSU is facing, the team that Southern is facing, they're both conference champions ish. You know, the one that TSU plays, is a little bit more complicated, but they are the automatic qualifier from another conference. So you're not going to replace them. In other words, there's no lower than 16. But let's really get into why this is the case. In it's strength of schedule. One thing I've noticed since really diving in and diving just beyond my school, right? Because when I'm in school, it's just, okay, TSU, basketball, football, X, Y, and Z. But when studying and looking at the fan bases more of all the schools, I noticed that people tend to have a problem with strength of schedule. I hate to break it to you. I really do. But strength of schedule will always matter in collegiate sports. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. It's the same reason I said that FAMU has to make the Celebration Bowl because the strength of schedule won't allow them to make the FCS playoffs more likely than not. It's the same reason why people are upset about not making the college football playoffs. It typically comes down to if records are tied, we're going to talk about strength of schedule. It comes down to what was the strength of schedule when deciding who's going to be a 1C, 2C, 3C when talking about the NCAA tournament. Strength of schedule in the NCAA is almost everything. And HBCUs cannot be an exception. So why do HBCUs not have great strength of schedules? It's because they play a really tough out-of-conference schedule that they lose. Because losing, having a bunch of great teams, right? If I face the best team in every single city or I'm I'm going against the best podcaster in every single city and I lose to pretty much all of them, my strength of schedule is high, yes, yes. But I'm not bragging about it because I'm not executing against these people. Now, once I start going against lower competition, lower win rates, and I start winning, what does that make me? Why does that say that we need to have multiple people in this tournament? Because that's essentially a loose parallel of where HBCUs sit at the moment. So you play these out-of-conference games, and I understand why they are destined or why they are set up for HBCUs to fail. I get it. I know why they play these games. So... You can tell me, but I don't actually need you to tell me why they play these games. I'm not criticizing that part. However, you have to take, I guess, the consequence, and I say that lightly, the negative, the downside that comes with it is that your the record is going to suffer. And most people look at your record like, oh, you 13 and whatever, 13 and 24. Nah, you're not really that good of a team. Even if you're saying, well, once we got away from playing the biggest of power fives, the number one seeds and things of that nature. We were pretty all right. Doesn't matter because strength of schedule is a thing. So basically, this is how it turns out. Let's take Texas Southern. Let's take Grambling, right? So these schools, Now nah, let's just take a random. I'm not going to do that because this is whack and MEAC. It's all together. You take an HBCU who has a rough out-of-conference schedule and they lose a bunch of those games. And then they're in a conference with a bunch of other teams in that same exact situation who have lost a bunch of out-of-conference games. Now you're all playing teams that have poor records. in strength of schedule-wise, it's going to tell you that these are not the best teams. So the majority of your wins come against teams that don't have a lot of wins. Therefore, you're not going to have a great strength of schedule. But you might question, what about the big dogs? What about the schools that are punching down in the out-of-conference games? Why don't they have to suffer? It's not an equal playing field. Not quite. See... Though they are punching down, let's put air quotes around it, right? Though they are punching down and having less competition for the out-of-conference, their actual conference record is much, much more difficult. And that's the difference. And they're still winning in that. So they're winning against lesser competition, and then they're winning against their peers as well. That's the big difference. HBCUs are losing against higher competition and then beating their peers. But their peers are considered lower competition because the record would say that they are. The to me, the fix is play mid-majors. You need more all corners knocking off SFAs. That's what you need. That's what that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for an all-corn to knock off a Wichita State. Because to me, those are quality victories way better. Now I understand monetary and all of those things, but as far as record and getting a better seating, Well, now maybe if you have eight teams in a conference that have a pretty decent out-of-conference record and with some quality wins, now your strength of schedule looks a whole lot different for whoever comes out. And then maybe once that happens, now you have two teams who can make it, possibly. But that's the best way I see to fix it. I know we hate talking about strength of schedule. But if you want to argue me on why the strength of schedule is that way or why they play these games, I'll hear you out. But just think about it. When you're going to tell me why the strength, the out-of-conference schedule is a certain way, are you going to deny that the out-of-conference schedule is a certain way? Because if you're not, we're just going to come to the same outcome. You're just explaining why we got to this outcome. We might agree, but you know what? I understand strength of schedule can be a little bit of a, uh, you know, a touchy subject. Maybe you don't really want to hear that. I understand. I have another reason why this just doesn't work. And this goes to the specific scenario on why I brought it up in the first place. And that's the idea that essentially the SWAC and the MEAC should have two automatic qualifiers. That just doesn't work, guys. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. And listen, March Madness is here. I told you that the TSU game was last night. I don't know what I was looking at, it's tonight. Tonight is Texas Southern and Southern's basketball game in the first four. So you can put some money down on that. See what you think is going to happen in that game. The NBA is nearing a close. Will the Pelicans ever really get back on a roll? Will Zion ever get back on the floor? Is 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 Luka and Kyrie, is Luka going to come back? And what's going to happen with the Mavs? What's going to happen in the playoffs, the finals? You let me know. What do you think is going to happen? And then put some money down on that, uh, on whatever you predict. On FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, make every moment more. And even if you lose your first bet, you get $1,000 back in free bets. It's called the first bet, no sweat. as we continue rolling with today's episode of locked on hbcu i appreciate you making us your first listen of the day for your second listen make sure you're checking out locked on college basketball we had isaac shade on the show yesterday and he showed exactly why you need to be checking it out and they also have the college uh, bracket breakdown show so you can get everything you need it'd be like all your friends be like man antoine i ain't know you knew about the bracket i know you this good with college basketball they don't have to know or maybe you can tell them like yeah i checked out locked on college basketball and that's how i know all of these things but we're going to continue our conversation about the SWAC and the MIAC not being 2 big conferences, why it makes sense. The specific scenario that even brought this to my mind and led to me creating that first topic was a woman who, I, I think it was a woman, and I think she was a Jackson State fan. I assume she was a Jackson State fan because I can't think of any other team whose fan base would say this sentence. But basically, she was saying that after Jackson State lost to Southern, This is why the regular season champ deserves an automatic bid. That sounds like somebody whose team just got knocked out and realizes they're not going to be in the NCAA tournament. Being a regular season champion does mean something. However, saying that regular season champs and tournament champs deserve to have an automatic bid is saying either two. Excuse me, either saying one, you want two automatic bids or two, you're devaluing in the tournament. Neither is going to work. Neither makes sense for me. Neither is one that I think is even close to a good option. It just doesn't work for me. And I'm not saying that's what she said. I'm not saying that's what she said. But her option, that's what would have been required. Right? So let's start off with the idea of the automatic bid. Winning the regular season means something. It does stand for something. It means you have an automatic bid to A, postseason tournament winning the regular season title does not mean you have a bid automatically to the postseason tournament because if you lose in your conference tournament you're going to the nit and that's okay you're just not going to the big dance see this is like the playoffs being the number one team in the west being the number one team in the east it doesn't give you an automatic pass to the to the finals at all what it does is it gives you the number one seed and then you prove yourself. And I know that essentially because this comes into the conversation of devaluing the tournament. If you're going to give the regular season champ an automatic t- automatic bid to the big one, no matter what, you're devaluing the tournament. You can make the argument that the tournament devalues the regular season. I don't agree with that because it does still stand for something. That's the idea of being first in the East, first in the West, first in the NFC, first in the AFC. You get certain perks with that right? If, you first, uh, if you're the first seed in the NFC, you're going to get a bye week. There's certain perks that come with being so great in the regular season, but you still have the playoffs. No one ever says the playoffs devalues the regular season. So I wouldn't say that about the tournament devaluing the regular season. And I know that the big dance is like the playoffs, but the conference tournament is the playoffs before the playoffs, if you want to consider it that way. But when I look at it, if you, how do I want to say this? If you lose in a tournament and you're not the champion in a conference that only gets one bid, you don't deserve to take that bid. You don't. You can't devalue what the tournament represents. That's how that's how a school like TSU gets hot. And they go from the eight seed to the number one seed or excuse me, from the eight seed to the champion. Those type of moments deserve to be honored. Now, I I do think that Alcorn had a great year. I do think that Grambling had a great year. I do think that Jackson State women's basketball had a great year. But you didn't win the thing that you needed to win. And we can't change the rules. We can't switch it up. You're not going to have two automatic qualifiers. You're just not. So no matter what happens, the tournament champion deserves to be above the regular season because we're not going to devalue the tournament. Imagine, imagine whatever your favorite sport is. It has the playoffs, Right. Imagine if the number one seed didn't win and they were like, you know what? But we were the best team in the regular season, so we really the champs. Just ain't how that worked. That's just not how it works, guys. So, and if you want to wonder why Grambling didn't make the NIT, but Vanderbilt, Colorado, they're doing things. They're playing better schedules. Grambling beat them, but how many schools did Grambling beat that were on their level? Now, how many schools did... Colorado, how many schools did Vanderbilt beat that were either on Grambling's level or above it? That's why they get into these tournaments and they don't. Because even when you want to fight it, even when you want to argue it, it always comes down to strength of schedule. I'm not asking you to like anything. I'm really not. I hate it too. But I understand that's what we're living in. That's the real life scenario that we have to deal with. Until HBCUs improve their strength of schedule you will never have more than your one automatic qualifier. You will never have an at-large. Until you start winning some games that are not against HBCU competition, until you start winning more out-of-conference games, as harsh as this might sound, you're not going to have an at-large bid. And you're already fighting an uphill battle. So you're not helping yourself by not having a great out-of-conference record. Don't like it. Like it. I don't know. But that's the way it is. Words to Tupac. Now, going forward, we're going to talk about a team that did make it. And that's Southern, the Southern women's basketball team. They made it. They face off against Sacred Heart. Let's look at some star players and then also a couple of things to watch out for during the game as we continue with Locked on HBCU. And that's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Do you agree with my spiel? Do you think that HBCU conferences should have more than one automatic bid? Do you think that strength of schedule should be such a big deal? These questions I'd love to know in the comments down below, man. But I appreciate y'all for making us your first listen of the day every day. And then also making it to segment three. Thank you two times for that. I really do appreciate it. Now let's talk about Southern. Let's dive into Southern versus Sacred Heart and give a little bit of a preview for this game because there's history on the line. There is. There is. There's history on the line because Southern and Sacred Heart have been in multiple HBC, or multiple NCAA tournament games. Eight to be exact. They haven't won one. Well, they're playing each other, so one of them has to win. Here's the other part of it. TSU, Texas Southern, and then Southern, women's basketball, they're both playing the winner of the NEC. Essentially, right. I told you it's a little bit of a complicated situation with Texas Southern, but these both both of their opponents are coming against or excuse me, both of their opponents are coming from the NEC. So it's the SWAC versus the NEC. That's just a little something interesting that I thought. What is my biggest storyline that I'm watching fighting in the trees? That's the biggest thing I'm looking for, because they're just Southern is just coming off of playing against six, five and up against UAPB against southern against jackson state against uapb they actually did a pretty good job and outscored the golden bluffs in the in their me, the golden lions in the paint so that was good they didn't do it against jackson state but they still had to bang against some taller women that's not the case here tallest person on sacred heart 6-1 so i want to see are you going to execute in the paint more when you're already fighting and trying to win the battle in the paint against six five, six five, six six, like when you're already doing that, and now you get to go against six-one, it's not the way that Sacred Heart wants to attack you, but it can be the one that you, it can be the way that you attack Sacred Heart, and that's the difference. The way Sacred Heart wants to attack you is with Nakaria uh, Prior. So I hope I said the name right, but I'm just gonna say Prior from now on. But Prior Prior was the Player of the Year. She was the Defensive Player of the Year, and it's not often that you're talking about boxing out a six or five-three guard. But the way she runs around the court, the way that she's always going for loose balls, the way that she just happens to know how the ball's gonna b- bounce off the rim, it's a little bit different. You gotta be aware of her at all times. You can't just think just because she's not in the paint, she's not gonna get an offensive rebound. That's something that Sacred Heart does really well. So if you're gonna stop her, rebounding, defense, shooting, that's all things that she does well. It's all things that the team does well. And if you can slow her down, you can stop the driving force of some of the key components of your. Opponent. I hate when I almost rhyme and it's on accident and I try to stop myself from rhyming. So then it sounds like I wasn't confident in it. But basically, you can stop all the key components of your opponent. And that's what's going to work. So Coach Funches knows this. He talks about boxing out and all of those things against the guard. So he understands what she brings to the table. And then lastly, we talked about Sacred Heart star player. But what about Southerns? Ain't one. They don't move like that. Not in coach speak where we don't just have one player, we're a team, we're a unit over individuals. Coach Funches genuinely believes and genuinely talks about how there's not one player who he's like, they're gonna go for 20 every single night. It's more so we have a bunch of players who can go for 20 every single night. We don't know who, who it'll be, but we know that we also have people who can fill in and be supporting cast. Basically, we have dual threats. You know, We have stars and we also have people who can be supporting cast but the people in the supporting cast can be stars and that star can be supporting cast so it's just interchangeable every single night every single night no matter who's gonna drop 20 we have some people around them that can get seven boards that can get six assists that can get uh two steals we have people who know how to be stars when called on that but then they can also play their role and that's exactly what southern's looking for that game is going to be tonight i checked double times that game is Wednesday, which means it's tonight, along with the Texas Southern game. So you have your kind of a doubleheader of HBCU first four action. So make sure you're checking that out. We're going to be wrapping up or recapping these games on tomorrow's episode of Locked on HBCU. So make sure you're back to check that out for your second listen. Make sure you guys are checking out Locked on College Basketball and checking out Isaac and all of the content he does. Make sure you're signing up to this QR code and st- <laughs> I will forget this point eventually you you scanning this QR code and signing up for the newsletter. And I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.